Well, a month ago, we had no gaffer. Quite a shock to all of us. And here we are, um, sitting here one minute past nine on this random 20th of June 2022. And the new manager is not Michael Carrick. It's not Ryan Mason. It's not Fabrizio Picaretta or indeed Paul Callis. It is none other than Scott Lindsay, ladies and gentlemen. Last year's assistant manager has been appointed manager of Swindon Town Football Club on a three-year deal. Fair to say to a mixed response uh, today. Um, opinion that we appear to be seeing um, across the board is split pretty much 50-50. Um, and tonight, I am delighted to welcome uh, the uh, wonderful Joe Vincent, Chris, Nathan, and, <clears throat> and excuse me, uh, Max Springer, um, and whoever else wants to come on from you guys to discuss the pluses and perceived pitfalls um, of Scott Leeds' appointment at the county ground. So, um, without further ado, let's say hello to the guys. Joe, starting with you. Good evening, buddy. How are you? Good evening, mate. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yourself? Yes, not so bad. Thank you. Not so bad. Uh, Chris, good evening to you. Uh, hello from the small Yorkshire town where Scott Lindsay started his playing career. <laughs> yes, the very same. And we'll be coming on to that. Nathan, good evening. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I've, uh, I've just been listening to Backstreet Boys, so I'm, I'm ready to go. Well, Backstreet's back. All right. And Max, good evening. How are you, fella? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Cheers on me on again. Oh, no, no, you're very welcome. So, listen, Max, you might as well stay on, mate. We'll get the ball rolling with yourself. Um, now, it's an interesting one, Max, isn't it? Because the um, the club have, um, have, uh, have come out with a statement today saying that there's been, uh, I, I don't know whether this is verbatim, but it's been a, a long and exhaustive search over the course of last month. They've been working very, very hard to make sure they make the, the correct selection. Um, we've all... Uh, had an eagle eye on the betting odds for the last month or so. Various names have come and gone. Certain names have skyrocketed to the top of the list that all seem very feasible. Um, and yet, um, almost left field, but yet, strangely not, Scott Lindsay's been appointed on this three-year deal. Um, what was your initial reaction, Max? I mean, my initial, uh, my initial reaction was underwhelmed. Um, I guess you see the sort of names that have been popping up and you go back to the night where where Garner left and we're on here talking about Ryan Mason and Michael Carrick and names like that. So, like naturally, there was a little bit, a, a little bit of underwhelming. But I think as I've sort of absorbed the news through the evening, I've I'm growing to it a little more, and I like I like what he said to BBC Wiltshire too. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, Max, isn't it? I think um, the I, I would love to see the reaction on social media had, and I know it's clearly a bit of a mute point because it never happened, but had he had the opportunity to come out, state his claim, explain the kind of football that he's expecting to play, um, state his case as to why he's there, what he's, you know, his attitude towards the club, his attitude towards the fans. I'd be interested to see whether we've got more of a swing, but I mean, Max, I don't know whether you think I'm being either generous or harsh, but obviously you would have heard my intro. I, I felt that the, the opinion on Scott Lindsay was kind of split 50-50 down the middle. Um, like you, Max, I think my initial reaction was one of, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say um, I was ripping my hair out in despair, but I'm one of these really frustrating individuals that have been sort of spoiled, particularly in the first sort of 10 years, excuse me, the pun of my tenure as a town fan. 
by the names like Glenn Hoddle, Ozzy Ardiles, Lou Macari, uh, and even moving on to the likes of Steve McMahon. You know, we um, it was a golden a golden era where I fell in love with a football club, and, and every managerial appointment that Swindon make, um, I always, always kind of just my heartstrings kind of pulled me back to that era. So my my initial reaction was one of, well, you know, oh, well, okay, um, didn't really see that coming. Um, but at the same time, I was kind of left a little sort of, I, I, I guess my head was full of questions. I mean, Joe, I'll bring you in at this stage. Um, my my head, Joe, was full of questions on the basis that um, all of the kind of chatter, and I appreciate we need to be careful here because a lot of the chatter was on social media, but all of the early chatter surrounding the two Scots were that they had been holding Zoom interviews with Charlton Athletic. And now that's all conjecture. We don't know that clearly for fact, but it all seemed to be that they were on their way out the door. So I think that was probably also kind of feeding into some of the negativity that I had earlier in the day when the announcement was made. Um, where, where was your head at, Joe, in that respect? I think if you obviously, if, you, if you're going on the fact that Scott Marshall looks like he's gone to Charlton with Ben Garner, um, you'd imagine that Scott Lindsay was offered the chance to sort of follow suit. He's obviously chosen to stick around at the county ground. Um he was there as a youth team coach, obviously. I think when was it when Cooper was in charge? Um, so he's got previous. He obviously loves the club. I think the script you've got to look at it. You've got to look at it as if he's chosen to stay around, um, which is obviously something that you ask for in a person at a club. You know, loyalty is it's kind of forgotten these days in football. So I think I sort of echo what Max said earlier on. You know, it's not quite the sexy appointment that we all wanted, but. Um, You've got to get behind him, you know. He's he was part of the successes last season. Um, he clearly has a a lot of time for the football club, and if anything, that's all you can ask for from a first team manager, really. All right. Well, Chris, uh, I, I mean, a, a very very short question for you. Um, given that you're of a similar generation supporter to me, um, echoes of John Gorman. Uh, there's a bit of it is like that as well, but. Now we've sort of had that little bit of time to get our head around it because obviously I think we we pretty much knew what was happening yesterday when the the betting disappeared. So we've had all that time to sort of come to terms with it is going to be Lindsay. And um, and of, of like say all the good things from what happened last year with Garner and maybe the the stuff that didn't quite work, like in particular the home form and, and playing a little bit too slow at times. Maybe he's, it, he can learn from that and take that forward. So I think we can get some of the good points with with Garner and work out on some of the bad points. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting it's an interesting one, Chris, isn't it? I think one of the, you know, the, obviously I raised the point earlier about I'll be interested to see just how much opinion would have swung either positively or negatively, you know, had we almost heard his patter and heard him set his stall out. Um, but that was kind of like, almost like a key part of his patter, from what I interpreted, Chris, was that there was an acknowledgement that. You know, he doesn't want to just kind of keep the ball at the back for for gimmicks. You know, he doesn't want to keep the ball at the back to make the stats look good. You know, he very quickly progressed onto conversation or onto commentary around, you know, playing up through the thirds, which, I mean, it's it's interesting to come out with a lot of, you know, kind of football chat that not necessarily everyone understands. You know, technically, not everyone that turns up and watches games on a Saturday understands exactly what that means. But he then started using words like, you know, ag- being, att- you know, aggressive, attacking. Um, and, and again, it was similar to what Ben Garner said when he turned up at Charlton, they made a real point of focusing on that, didn't they? In, in 
in Ben Garner's introduction video. So um, he was certainly whispering the sweet nothings in her ear, Chris, wasn't he, earlier? Yeah, I, the first impression I got from uh, listening to the BBC Wiltshire interview was it, it clearly wants to play quicker than we did last year. And I think that was that was probably our a downfall a lot, especially at home, where we just played too slowly and it was so easy to defend against. Now, if we're playing, playing that a bit quicker with that bit more tempo, you know, it's, it, we should be, it puts us in a position where it's easier to break those teams down who just come and sit back. So quite... Yeah, it, 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 that's an interesting point. I mean, Nathan, I'll, I'll bring you in at this stage because one of the one of the questions that I was going to pose um, over the course of the evening was about, you know, to what extent was last season about kind of trying to get the formula right and that basically the, the penny dropped or the style of play clicked uh, in the running where we had that devastating run of wins, uh, which really sort of propelled us back into the playoff spot, which we looked to have lost um, with a handful of games left. And it really was like a, almost like a miracle kind of turnaround. Um, to, to what extent, Nathan, do you think it's realistic that we carry, that we will be able to carry that, that form forward given clearly we we've still had significant departures from the squad. We've still got a lot of lads that are out of contract, but I guess if you get my point, to, to you know to, to to what extent is that you know do players understand now what, what you know what is required of them in terms of that pace and aggression and and, and attacking Nathan I mean yeah I think when when Clem came originally what he said was you know he wants to have this this model this style so that if a manager leaves it's you know it's not a big deal and we can keep going on and I feel like the players that that stay from last season will We'll know what we're about and th- this for me is a positive about Lindsay staying on is that the, again the players from last year now they know what's expected of them and yeah like um like Chris said the 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 most um exciting thing I got from what Scott was saying was that he wants to be more aggressive and it was when we were aggressive at the end of the season that you know we started to get those wins so you know it, it I think it I think it's a promising sign um, it obviously depends on who we get in because our squad was bare last season and we needed we needed a lot more depth. So yeah, it kind of it's interesting to see what um, Sandro Di Michele does because you know that's going to be a, a big part in what happens going forward because you know we need a few more players now to buy in that mindset. But I mean, it's definitely possible that the players that were here, I mean, apparently they, you know, they're all big fans of of Scott, which um, some people don't like, but. I like it. I like. I think it's good to play for a manager that you like. Um, so yeah, I think potentially, yeah, that that kind of end of season form could could really you know if we can start like that, definitely that'll certainly get the fans on board. I, I think it's 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 interesting, Nathan, because much like the the comments I made earlier um, in relation to you know you know alleged interviews that Scott may have had with Charlton or. You know, all the things that people seem to kind of commit to fact, even though they've just been bounded around social media. Um, Similarly, I think the comments in relation to, you know, the players like him, you know, I think there's been a lot of a lot of that bounded around social media. And it's it. Who are we to know at the end of the day? You know, only the only ones that know that are the players. And I think one of the interesting things that is going to be coming out, I think, for me in this respect over the next couple of weeks will be about the contract negotiations, particularly with players that are hugely popular um, amongst the, the, the playing group, hugely popular with the supporters, not just because they're key players, but also because they play with a certain kind of like passion and flair towards Swindon Town. And I think contract negotiations with the likes of 
um, Manny Egbo, uh, Jack Payne. I think those are going to be two really, really good indicators, I think, uh, in relation to just how much the, 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 the playing group really buy into um, Scott Lindsay. But, I mean, Ty, I'll, I'll bring, you, bring you in, Tyler, at this stage. What's... Um, I mean, if you, I'm not sure if you've necessarily got it in front of you, but I know you know a fair bit about Scott. Um, if you want to enlighten the listeners with Scott's managerial record to date and what you think he's going to bring to uh, bring to the piece, uh, based on what we know about his career. Um, well, like, like you've sort of been saying, he's obviously quite quite well regarded within within the current squad and and everything they've said. I can't I can't tell you exact stats on on how he's done as a, as a manager in the past. Um, but I know well, he I'll had a spell what, as, as caretaker at Lincoln. So yeah, so allow me to just garnish the listeners with with the stats. So in 2010, um, we, we, I mean, we'll talk about his playing career later for what relevance that it is. I mean, he spent most of his playing career um, in and around the higher echelons of non-league game. But in 2010, Scott Lindsay was caretaker manager at Lincoln City uh, before taking the role at Tamworth. Um, a very aggressive, um, ambitious Tamworth as they were back in 2013-14. Uh, 2014-16, he moved to Swindon Town, where he was manager of Swindon Town under-18s, before leaving uh, in 2016 for Forest Green Rovers, where he became assistant manager. Um, Departing Forest Green Rovers in 2019-21 to become manager of Chatham Town down in Medway, um, before returning to Swindon Town as assistant manager to Ben Garner in 2021. So, yeah, again, not a managerial career tie that's necessarily laced with huge amounts of experience, but um, he's certainly got around a little bit, hasn't he, in the last sort of uh, the last 12, 13 years? Um, yeah, uh, on paper, it's probably not one that, that people look at and think that, that that's that's brilliant. That's what we need. But I'd look at it and think what are the people he's worked with and, and worked under? What have they got to say about him? Because that, that will show more of him as a coach and a person. Um, and, and I think that's that's what's going to matter think, the most. You know, interestingly, Ty, so, I mean, it, it's, it's not really for us to sort of, you know, go into huge detail. We can talk about his character, but um, it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's fairly well known that, that Scott, Scott Lindsay went through some pretty unbearable personal tragedy, came out the other end um, with, you know, football sort of, you know, all, all rallying around him, singing his praises. I live not far from Medway Towns, where as a gentleman, he's a very, very popular guy. His character references... Um, are um, are significant. I think the thing that really excited me, Ty, was um, there were some comments that came out very quickly after his appointment that appeared to be sort of tipping a, a nod in the direction of fan engagement and how he recognised that that was incredibly important. And following on quite quickly from that were our good friends just down the road from me, the Medway Reds, uh, posted pictures and uh, told stories of... Um, Scott Lindsay coming out and working with them on, um, uh, I believe it was feeding feeding the, the homeless um, in and around Medway, and how we dedicated a lot of time to doing that. So I think what I'm trying to say, Ty, is we, we've clearly got a guy, um, he's been dealt a couple of real bum cards in life, um, and he's really bounced back. He's, he's, he's very clearly very well regarded at Swindon Town. Um, you know, the, whilst I've not got specifics and can quote people verbatim, um, you know, the club have paid reference to, uh, have, have paid reference to that, haven't they? Um, and as I say, if there was one thing that was sorely lacking last year in the minds of all fans was engagement tie, was it not? Yeah, like, well, like I was saying, I think uh, as a person, um, going off what obviously 
Jonah's posted a photo of him, him, Stephen, and Scott sat together, and, and they all look buzzing with it. And you look at the players he's played under. Some of them have, have come out since since the announcements made, and, and speaking highly of him. And so that that gives me hope in that regard. So I, I'm all for that. And then in terms of the fan engagement last year, yes, it, it wasn't as good as it as it should have been, and and has to be. When you are a League Two club, you need to be engaging with your fans. That's how you get the next generation of supporters. Um, and so I think, I think that the way he, he's speaking of what wanting to engage with the fans more is great. And like, and like you've said, with with what he was doing over at, at Chatham, what what he's done over there is 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 good going. So I think I think we're in in safe hands, and, and I'm all for it. I know some of you had had. Uh, Opposite reactions, sh- shall we say, to start with, but I- I'm I'm more than happy for for Scott to be leading the way, and he seems a a good lad and and a good coach. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've I've been the first to hold my hands up, Ty. As I say, you know, my my initial reaction to the breaking news wasn't necessarily. Um, I mean, as I think anyone that keeps half an eye on my Twitter feed will know that I I put both feet straight in the Fabrizio Picaretta, Paul Caddis camp. Um, nothing to do, nothing against Scott Lindsay at all. But I just thought as a, in terms of where we're at, in terms of engaging the supporters, um, in terms of excitement levels, um, a, um, you know, a, a player in Paul Caddis who has played at the very, very highest levels of European football, captained us to two championship wins um, in this division, you know, knows what it means to get out of this division. Um, and actually has, has played for some huge clubs, actually, um, you know, up and down the um, the professional leagues. Um, very, very close relationship with the Swindon Town supporters. Um, ticks a lot of ticks a lot of um, boxes in terms of exciting our fan base. And I think with Fabrizio, there was a combination of a respected coach, um, knows what it takes to get out of this division, working underneath Paolo Di Canio back in 2012-2013. Um, fondly remembered by the supporter base, um, has made a very, very strong um, statement about his commitment to the football club, how it's not about making a name for himself in England. This is about um, actually giving back to a club that gave him an awful lot um, over 10 years ago. Um, and as, a, as, as two guys that clearly know each other and, and, and think very well of each other, that to me, uh, yeah, there's probably a little bit of romanticism in that, but that for me was what what gets me very, very excited. Um, so if I compare and contrast that to Scott Lindsay, I was in conversations with my son earlier today, and I said to him, <laughs> I liken it to um, taking him taking him to our local sort of shopping centre with a trainer budget and saying, son, you buy whatever shoe you want off the wall. Um, and then by the time he leaves JD or wherever it is, um, he's got a pair of Reebok classics in his bag, which is because that's what I've told him he's got to have. Um, that's kind of how I felt a little bit about Scott Lindsay. And um, again, nothing, that, got to stress that is nothing, nothing personal to the new gaffer. Um, that is me holding my hands up. I've come from an era of supporters where I have, have, have an era of supporters in town where I have been sport rotten. Um, so, and who am I to know what budgets the club are playing with? You know, who am I? I mean, we all know the financial, um, the financial uh, lay of the land back in 20, you know, 2010, 20, 2011, 2012, when Paolo uh, took over as boss was very, very different to what we're working with now. I don't think Paul Caddis would necessarily have broken the bank, but I guess um, again, you don't know how Paul's regarded by those who are running the club now, whether they feel that they know him well enough to have him working there as manager. 
they've obviously got best part of year under their belts of working with Scott Lindsay now. Um, so it, it, it feels like much like a pair of Reebok classics on your feet, a nice safe appointment. It's always going to deliver the goods in terms of what you need on your feet, but is it going to blow my sun socks off like a 200 pound pair of Nike flying? It's probably not. However, I was pretty sort of similar in my reaction to Richie Wellen's appointment. And Chris, we all know what happened there, don't we? Ah, uh, yes. Um, well, it was the same really with, with Garner. I mean, uh, no one was really excited about that appointment when it happened and that turned out all right. Yeah. Okay. So it's an interesting one. I mean, I don't, I don't actually want to spend too much time talking about Charlton's new boss. What I will say is that it turned out all right. However, it did take us sort of almost like seven eighths of the season to get to a stage where the supporters took to him to the point where they were singing his name. And that to me sort of smacks of a bit of a problem um, and a bit of a problem that hopefully Scott Lindsay's already kind of come out and, and, and um, kind of explained or, or sort of, again, tipped his hat and said, we're going to try and address here, which is that issue of engagement. You know, are we going to, you know, if we're going to see the, the players more in the community, if we're going to see Scott more in the community, um, you know, I'm, um, I, I am told that Scott is open and keen to joining us on the Saton Broadbent Lounge, um, as will um, Sandro and the other members behind the scenes. Um, if that, if that is something that's going to happen and we're going to start having more engagement with them back and forwards in line with Clem's sort of mantra about transparency, outstanding. But I think that that is one of the that kind of feeds in, Chris, to sort of one of my reservations, really, when in terms of my initial gut reaction. It's one of uh, am I underwhelmed? Because there was a lot about Ben Garner's tenure that I, I was underwhelmed by. I don't ever really feel that, you know, my imagination was was really kind of, you know, really stimulated by Garner ball. Um I, I, I respect everything, Chris, that was achieved. I really do. Like, it was a miracle. I use that word to describe it. Like, on reflection, what he managed to deliver last year was 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 a footballing miracle on a shoestring. And you've got to appreciate that. But there is something fundamental about football that is, it's more than what happens on the pitch. Yes, that winning is hugely important. That's why we, you know, well, that's why these guys play the game. But to us as supporters, Chris, it's it's a you know Saturdays is so much more than just what happens on that on that stretch of grass, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. But I think the thing with um, this with Garner, I think that just the sort of person he is is when he's quiet, he just doesn't look like he's there's any emotion there. And we've already seen um, seen from from Lindsay like last season that he, he even he, did, he had more about him in that way that, that getting into it that it meant more to him than it looked like it did to Garner. So that's a positive. Yeah, uh, exactly that. Exactly that. I guess that you know he's 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 come out and he's kind of recognised that you know I think he's 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 in a lovely position. I mean, Joe, I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are here, but Scott is in this lovely position now because he can basically, and I'm sure it paid part of his of his job interview strategy. You know, he was able to kind of sit back over what was by and large a successful campaign and just highlight sort of obvious holes in that strategy um, and, and and highlight, you know, maybe why the fans are a little bit hair-trigger. Do you, do you think that's fair? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I mentioned earlier on, he was the assistant manager in a very successful season. Um, and I think, obviously, in an assistant's position, he's almost not quite on the front line. He's sort of sat in a, in a seat behind... The, the soldier that's running first in, in Ben Garner. 
and um, he can sort of see where, you know, there may have been some shortcomings um, on his part. I I, I was mentioned earlier on, but I think he spoke fantastically earlier on in the um, the interviews with the club's media and also BBC Wiltshire. Um, as was mentioned earlier on as well, so you've seen the the kit men on socials looking sort of proud as punch to be with him and looking quite happy for him. Um, I was checking out the Instagram announcements as well. You've got quite a few players on there liking the posts. Um, it's clearly got it's clearly got the club on his side internally. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it can't be can't be a bad thing that he obviously experienced close to as good a season as can be last last season really obviously a penalty kick away from Wembley um so hopefully he can take on board obviously where he felt we we just dropped short um and get that remedied and obviously yeah take us one best next season and get us up because I can't do another league two season after this uh you me both buddy you me oh, both uh, I mean you know it's yeah, we, we are, I mean, there's been lots of talk about our, you know, the size of our crowds and, you know, Scott Lindsay's been very keen to come out and talk about the fact that, you know, he's managing this magnificent club with incredible mm. home and away support, as he saw last season. I think um, it is incredible home and away support um, and it's incredible home and away support that is actually leagues above League Two. And I Absolutely. think therein, therein lies the issue that Scott, or the conundrum that Scott's got to answer. I We've think he genuinely the... loves the club as well, though. I think that's... It's something that we probably didn't have with Garn last season. He genuinely loves the club. I think he really cares about, obviously, how how the team are looking from the fans' perspective. He was always one on the pitch at the end of the game, giving us a bit of a, a uh, not a thanks, but he was joining in with some of the songs, obviously, since some of the videos that have been posted on socials. I, I'll i be the first to admit, like you, Hannes, I was kind of a bit meh when it got announced or when it was looking like it was to be announced. But the more I think about it, the more I'm on board. Yeah, and, and you're not alone. You're not alone there, Joe. As I say, I think it's been I think it's been well handled today in terms of the announcements, uh, the various interviews, the way they've been put out, whether that be through Sky Sports um, or the content on the BBC. I thought the um, the write up um, on the um, on the official uh, club website uh, was very well put together. Um, and I think that's that's probably done wonders in terms of ask, answering a few questions. Um, and I think I, I, I can't help but but think that some of the negative reaction that has come from it um, has been probably from um, excuse the pun, guys, but I'm in your bucket as well. Old guffers like me um, who have got a very different frame of reference um, to younger supporters um, that maybe haven't been spoiled by the success that we had in the late mid to late eighties, early nineties, um, and weren't spoiled by um, some of the names. I mean, Chris. In fact, let's let, let's have a chat about this, Chris, because how many how many times now have we had ex players? I mean, we had Fraser Digby joined us last week, uh, and I, I don't think I'm quoting him verbatim, but um, Fraser has sort of said along similar lines, talking about the appointment of Ozzy Ardiles and Glenn Hoddle at the football club. Um, and about how it literally just blew people's socks off that that caliber of manager and Fraser wasn't the first footballer, ex-town footballer to come on our show and talk in those terms. And and I think that there was a there's a lot to be said about we were boxing well above our level, um, you know, back in the the mid eighties through <laughs> to the mid nineties, weren't weren't we? And 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 as a as a consequence of that, um, 
our frame of reference is very different, say, to Tyler's, Chris, where, you know, if you think back to Tyler, Tyler's first season, for example, as he tells me, was around the time Charlie Austin was banging goals in for us. Now, if you think about the managerial figures that we've had at the club from that period onwards, you can have a very different perspective, Chris. You're going to react a very different way to Scott Lindsay being appointed, I would imagine. Well, it was kind of like, as well, it's like we go three, you've got Hoddle, our dealers. <clears throat> Uh, there's even obviously I'm just thinking Gorman Steve McMahon was in the then Decanio but when you've had say like those three big names there when you've had managers like that there's a lot that's just going to be underwhelming when they come after it knowing full well that as a club we can attract names like that and this time we haven't been able to it was just some people be just disappointed by that thinking that oh it's just the cheap option which obviously uh, Dean McCabe said that's that it's not the cheap option at all but that's the impression yeah, and, that and a in, lot of people are getting. Yeah, and interestingly, Chris, as well, a name that always gets overlooked, and probably because he wasn't around that long, was Dennis Wise. Of course, Dennis Wise brought Gus Poyer into the club as his assistant. Um, and it is, it, again, it is a manager of a similar kind of ilk. And I think one of the things that, that, that kind of gets us buzzing and gets us excited is I think we very lazily think of big names like that and immediately assume that top players that would be representing us at League Two level next year are going to be interested in coming to play for those kind of managers. But herein lies the rub, Chris, doesn't it? Do we really want players that are coming to play for Glenn Hoddle, Paolo Di Canio, Dennis Wise, Ozzy Ardiles? Or do we want players that are going to come and play and want to play for this great club and these great supporters that Scott Lindsay talked about today? Because it kind of... We kind of can't have our cake and eat it, can we? But it, the more I, the more I'm speaking against my kind of gut reaction, the more that my brain just says, "Of course, we want players that are going to come and want to play for this crowd and play for the club, play for the badge." You know, sweat, you know, sweat blood for Swindon Town Football Club, and, and perhaps that's not always been the case, is it? Well, no, it's not, and it's it's a very good point there. We do want players that want to come and play for the club and not for a specific manager because. <laughs> something happens and they're off, then what happens to the players? Are they, uh, are they just going to lose interest? You know, if they're only coming just because of who the manager is? Hmm. But another well, name, actually, I, just, I wanted to bring up as we, we were talking, that at the time uh, opened our eyes a bit, was Roy Evans. Roy Evans is a fascinating example. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll take you, Roy Evans, and I'll see you a Paul Sturrock. Because, again, you know, Sturrock had, hadn't long you know, been shown the door at Southampton, um, had a, 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 a very decent record in terms of what he'd achieved down the road at Plymouth. So again, like, we're talking big name managers. Aren't we? They didn't necessarily have to be tracksuit managers, did they? Um, but, you know, big name managers. I think um, I, I just, you know, the, the, the strange one about, you know, Scott Lindsay's appointment, I think, was that it, it seems to have just caught so many people by surprise because I think, there was such an emphasis on looking at the betting odds, which seemed to be changing sort of day by day. I mean, um, you know, we had, the, I mean, even the, even the, you know, even the betting firms seemed to be losing their marbles by offering odds for both the Matt Taylors on the same odds line, which was utterly bizarre, given one of them has failed miserably at, at Warsaw, only ever really been a youth team coach and former player at Swindon Town Football Club, youth team coach at Tottenham. And then you've got Matty Taylor down the road that's just taken Exeter up um, and done a, a, an immeasurably different job. But yet they were both lumped in at the same lot. I mean, the betting odds were were absolutely balmy. I mean, Max, I'll get your take on this. I mean, what 
is there any takeaway, Max, from your perspective on you know on on following the betting odds because they really have led the Swindon Town support base on a merry dance, haven't they? The Matt Taylor, the both Matt Taylor thing is proof that they just meant absolutely nothing, and they didn't have a clue. They, or they had, they knew as much as we did, because Scotland's only popped up on it what yesterday, maybe the day before, and you'd have to think that what Demi Kelly's been doing this search, he said for what two and a half, three weeks, and at some point the fo- the the move to Charlton must have fell through, and that's when he probably applied formally applied for it. But even when the the Graham Ricks thing went on, and his name was on the list at one point, it just showed. It, yeah, it just shows. I think at this level, that the betting odds don't really mean that much until one journalist, or whatever, gets 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 light on it from the club and lumps a hundred quid on it, and then they just suspend the odds anyway. That's usually yeah. how it comes up, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's an interesting one, Max, because uh, at one point we were. Uh... You know, we were just we we obviously have a Sir Tom Broad Bentlounge WhatsApp group, and our, our illustrious council of twenty odd people that feed into our show were all sort of speculating on on the odds and how balmy they were. And the general take of it was right. Let's all just stick a fiver on Fraser Digby off the back of last week's show, just to kind of almost prove a point that if we and he probably would have been the favourite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's yeah. I mean, again, it's all this buts and maybes, isn't it? It may not have had. It may not have caused a ripple, but it just goes to show you just the extent to which we had any kind of faith uh, in the betting odds, well, rightly or wrongly. But um, I'll introduce a new face to Tom Broadbent Lounge. We're going to bring Tom Paris in from STFC Trust. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Evening, Hannes. Evening, everybody. Congratulations on making your show debut, buddy. How's it feel? Gold ribbon stuff. I'm a little bit nervous, to be honest. It's uh, (laughs) the first time I put myself out here like that. So, uh, yeah, take it easy on me. Yeah, well, you're in very good company, Tom. You're in very good company. What What have you made of t- today's shenanigans, Tom? Have you? Did you like us? Have you had a, a kind of range of emotions across the day, or um, did you feel that you know from from the get go it was the right move, or otherwise? Um, uh, kind of similar to everybody else's feelings tonight, and what's been summarised. Um, obviously, rumours started going quite strongly last night with uh, with the betting odds being suspended and, and the Town End Forum going uh, a bit crazy in, in rumours and rife and strife. Um, but, and then when it got announced today, it was kind of, as everybody said, a bit underwhelming in my opinion. But as the evening's gone on, the more you think about it, um, you know, people talk about the delay um, between Ben Garner leaving and you know, the appointment today. But if you're thinking about it from a business perspective, um, you know, that that delay really, I think, is more along the lines that they wanted to replace Ben Chorley first before then and allowing the new technical director, director of football to appoint the coach. That's my personal opinion rather than any sort of fact. But it makes more logical sense to me. Then you take the approach of Scott Lindsay coming in. At the end of the day, he knows the club inside out. He knows the players inside out. Um, I, I would imagine it will be a version two of Garnable uh, next season. And if if Scott is is clever enough about it, he'll recognise the flaws of last season. He'll recognise the strength of what we had at the end of the last season. You know, and fundamentally, we were although we were one real spot kick away from Wembley at, at Port Vale. In that second game, Port Vale, we really got shown up. 
with how little aggression and and strength we really had to go and attack the ball. And on balance in that second game, Vale really demonstrated the 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 strength of playing with that aggression, with uh, attacking fast football. Um, and ultimately, that's what got them up the league. Um, so if that's the sort of model that we're trying to capture, that high press, that fast football moving forward, then I can only just see us doing really, really well next season. We've got a strong nucleus of the squad. Um, we've got somebody who knows the, the club and the team and, and the players individually, uh, inside and out. We're in a much, much, much stronger position than what we were last season. So, you know, I don't really think it's going to make much of a difference if Ben Gardner was here or Scott Lindsay. The only difference is we've got somebody that's coming in with potentially some fresh ideas on how to take it to the next level. Um, so, well, look, Tom, Tom, I'll pick, pick up on a couple of things that you've said there. You've raised some really, really interesting points. I think the first one, you, you, you sort of tapped into a point that we mentioned earlier. I was talking about the importance of re-signing players, the likes of Manny Egbo, Jack Payne, etc. Now, okay, I, for, for me, I think Jack Payne's a really, really interesting situation for us to monitor over the next week or two because Jack Payne is the kind of player and has the kind of ability uh, to unlock defences in and score goals in leagues higher than League Two. Now, Jack Payne, you would think, would have been one of the names that, as a free agent, would have been snapped up very, very, very quickly if his agent was bounding his name around other clubs. And I can't help but think that um, if Jack Payne moves in the next week or two, um, whether that be up the leagues uh, or perish the thought to another club in League Two, which would be an absolute travesty, um, I think that that probably... um, I actually think that tells us a lot. It maybe paints a picture of finances behind the scenes, but I think it also um, paints a picture as to the, the pulling power of, 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 of Scott Lindsay as, as, as head coach and, and how much our, our top, top players are buying into that vision. To an extent, I think Manny Egbo's in that, in that um, bowl as well, albeit... Manny Egbo's, you know, it would appear that he's been very open about the fact that, you know, he he wanted to move abroad. I think that was pretty much in in the vernacular of of Ben Garner, um, and no doubt um, as a lad that is well known in and around South East London, as a lad that really delivers for Ben Garner, has a relationship for him, he will be on Charlton's radar as well. Now, if we manage to re-sign those two players, Tom, I don't know how you feel, but that that is a big signal of intent, um, and and I think the you know the 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 other point about Ben Garner and style of play is that I know an awful lot of lads that sit behind the dugout, and when times were particularly tough and we were playing at our turgid worst when we had a particularly poor run, they were all telling me that when we were messing around with the ball at the back playing vanity football, um, and when things weren't quite clicking, that Ben Garner was very very clearly vocal. In, in, in screaming at his players, get the ball forward faster, like, you know, like pick up the tempo, play aggressively. So I go back to my earlier point. I can't help but think that it was a system that we were working on and working on and developing. And it just clicked with that position, with that formation change towards the end of the season. It just clicked and, and we didn't really look back. Um, I've not really posed your questions there, Tom. So I guess I need to sort of pose you a, a couple off the back of it. <laughs> A, do you think I'm being fair? 
Um, and, and B, do you understand my logic, both in terms of the signing, re-signings of, t- of two key players in particular? Um, and, and also that, that point about, um, you know, the, the kind of, you know, the, 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 the change in tempo that we saw, the, you know, the, the, the change in rhythm that we were playing under Ben Garner and how that did change towards the end of the year. Yeah, like I, I would agree with a, a vast majority of everything you just said. Um, the only thing that I would say is, uh, in particular to Jack Payne, um, I, I don't agree that if Jack Payne doesn't sign or re-sign for the club, it's a reflection on any negative part to the club. Um, Jack has come to the club uh, and done phenomenally well for us. He was... You know, he was the leading light last season amongst a lot of other leading lights. And if the rumours that I hear from various fans forums and all that sort of stuff um, are correct, that Jack's contract was partly funded by Lincoln uh, for whatever reason that would be, um, then, you know, it might be more of a financial sense that actually whilst he was playing for us, he was on a, a very good wage for the rest of it now i don't know if that's true or not but you know if if jack does move on uh he's deserved it um and i sincerely hope that it is up the lease because that is what he does deserve if he is going to move on but if he is going to re-sign for or if he's going to sign for a team in lee too why wouldn't he want to sign for swindon is my logic um so i think the only reason why jack wouldn't resign for Swindon and stay in League Two. Um, it's only because he's going to—he's got an offer to go up the leagues, um, and I wouldn't hold that against him. Um, you know, he, he's done phenomenally well for us. Um, I, I sincerely hope that Egbo signs because um, he was brilliant. He came in at left back, and although he didn't play many games for us, he had offered so much. Um, from from his position that we'd been missing for most of the season um, and, and was a cracking free transfer signing. Um, so, yeah, if, if we do sign them, then happy days. You know, we've got... It just adds to that really strong nucleus already between Williams, Reedy uh, and, and McCurdy up front. Um, you know, so it's it's... It's going to look good if we get both of those on board as well, for sure. And I would, I'd be quite tempted to stick at least fifty quid on Swindon winning the league next year if they both sign. We'll get you money bags. All right for some. <laughs> I'd have well, to listen, my mum. <laughs> oh well, no, well, that's fair. Enough. Don't we all? Um, well, look, I'll just take this moment. We've got um, got a sizable, sizable listener list, guys, and obviously the show is nothing without you lot. Um, if you're sitting here listening into the show on a smartphone, um, please do hit that speaker request button. Uh, join us tonight. Share your points of view. Um, let us know your, your thoughts, good and bad. We're, we're not here to browbeat anyone. If you're feeling, you know, not necessarily uh, chipper about it, we're here to rub some ointment in the wound. In the wound, if we can. Um, but all all points of view thoroughly respected. Um, appreciate Twitter doesn't always necessarily give off that vibe uh, when we're all sort of sat on our keyboards, uh, you know, typing away um, and and engaging in in, <laughs> in, in debate um, that isn't spoken. 
But um, please do um, hit that speaker request button and, and join in the debate tonight because we're really, really, really keen to hear, you, hear your thoughts. Um, we're lucky that we've got um, uh, people from the club, people connected with the club, all on the listener list. And, and guys, same, same story with you. Appreciate politically it can be very difficult coming on at these times and, and, and talking. But if you would be really, really interested in hearing your sort of first hand stories um, about the gaffer. Um, and what you believe the, uh, the the gaffer brings to uh, brings bring to the table. Um, so um, uh, some of you have been on before. Some of you will be new faces to us. Uh, we don't throw people under the bus. So please do come on, guys. Um, but Nathan, whilst 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 people are, are contemplating whether or not they do actually want to join us tonight, um, I'll come back to you because um, from almost from the get go, when rumours started really surfacing, research sort of surfacing this morning. Um, you you were really positive, weren't you? From a point of view of look, this is our this is our gaffer. I'm behind him unconditionally. Um, is is that a fair way to describe your position on this, Nathan? Or have you got a fragile confidence, or are you or are you wholeheartedly uh, behind the gaffer? And the reason I ask this is that um, I've I've had debates with um, a cross section of Swindon Town fans today, which appear to suggest that. Um, the, the confidence, typical Swindon Town, but their the confidence is a little brittle. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say, Nathan, is you obviously, as someone that was confident from the get-go, is your confidence as brittle as the next man? Or um, or have you got a, a, a different take on that? I'm always confident. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my initial reaction last night was actually quite bad. Like when the the odds got slashed and and they suspended the betting. I was like, my initial reaction was that's a bit tempot, but it didn't take long for me to think about it and actually change my mind, which is why this morning I was I was you know as as positive as I have been. Um, why was it Why was it tempot, Nathan? First and foremost, let's let let me let me really get inside the in, <laughs> inside your mind, Nathan. What what was your gut? Because I think your gut reaction is going to reflect quite a lot of the Swindon Town supporter base's gut reaction. So I'm really, really keen to understand your thought process. So my thought was, and I, I think like a few other people, you know, I'd been dragged in by the names that were linked. You know, I was seeing Michael Carrick, I was seeing uh, Ryan Mason. When you see those names, you know, it's like if I was to dangle a bit of chicken over my dog and then give him a bit of broccoli, you know, he's going to be upset. So it, I think it was that kind of, you know, that kind of thing where I started to get a bit excited. And, you know, it'd been quite a while since we knew Garner was going. And so my initial reaction was, why has it taken, you know, three weeks, a month to appoint the guy that was number two? Um, and that was that was just that was what just kicked in at my gut. But, it, it, you know, it was then I started reflecting and thinking, you know, well, I don't know what's happened. He could have just been the best person that interviewed. You know, I don't know what went on. And I think I'm, I'm a big fan of continuing things that are working. And I know a lot of people thought last season you know, we should have gone up and you know there is a there's definitely a case for that. But regardless, you put last season in the context that it deserves, we had a really good season. And funny enough, I left Port Vale. I mean I left Port Vale with you. And you know, obviously I was gutted, but there was a part of me that actually felt okay because I thought I think we'll be all right next season. You know, we've built something here that's gonna grow next season. Obviously that that was then completely kicked to the wall by Ghana going to Charlton and that was why I was so, you know, I wasn't particularly upset about Garner, the man leaving. I was upset because I thought we were building something. And now with Lindsay staying, for me, that is a good, that is a good thing. He's a well-respected coach. Um, 
I've seen a lot of this stuff about the cheap cheap option. Like, yeah, he he might be a cheap option, but he's a cheap option that knows what he's doing, that knows the club. And you know, at the end of the day, we're in debt. And you know, if you're in debt, you don't go and buy a Mercedes, you don't go and buy luxury things. You know, you you live within your means. And I think we've potentially got, you know, well, I th- I think we've got a good coach. Um, how he is as a manager, I you know, I can't say. None of us really know how he's going to be as a manager. But you know, we've got a good coach. You know, that's probably is quite cheap. You know, so what? You know, you know, I I drive a Kia. It's a good car. It gets me to, from A to B. It does the job. Um, and that's kind of my point. It's, it's no frills. It's not exciting. It's underwhelming. I understand that. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, he's come out and said we want to be aggressive. And I think that's that word just seems to have turned a lot of people. Like I saw one um, one person on Twitter who I won't name, who went from I'm not renewing my season ticket to listening to that interview going, I'm fully behind him. <laughs> I mean, that kind of shows how frail and fickle we all are as fans. But it just that that one word just seems to resonate with people. And, and that makes me feel a bit more excited. Um, obviously, I, I don't know. I can't say for sure that we're going to be champions or whatever. But I think we've got the core of a good squad. I think we've got a good coach. Um, you know, I don't know if um, Scott Minto, uh, sorry, Scott Marshall is going. I don't know who we're going to bring in, but I think there's reasons to be optimistic, definitely. Well, all right, Tyler, bring bring you bring you back in at this stage because we're talking about um, that word aggression. Uh, I mean, fundamentally, we are buyers of products, aren't we? <laughs> I hate to I hate to describe us as that, but as football, I know there's so much more to it as football fans. But if you talk about season ticket holders now, right, we buy a season ticket holder. It's a big commitment. And we don't sit there with a crystal ball, do we? But what we do is we buy that season ticket. We buy into that overarching support and fandom of our football club. But it, you can't help but think we are still purchasing our, you know, a, a, a certain hope that we are going to play. A, there is nobody in the, on this world that, that wants to go and buy a product that fundamentally underwhelms. Now, to Nathan's point about driving a Kia versus, let's say, driving a Ferrari, right, that's a very, very different kind of conversation that involves different sort of like financials and whatnot. But when you buy when you buy a, a season ticket or, you know, you are committing to a long period of time supporting Swindon Town going into the new season, let's say you're a new season ticket holder and you're taking that plunge, given that the club are pushing for to try and up the bar from 4,500 to 6,000 tickets, Tyler. You know, that the style of football is important, isn't it? Because there are so many other entertainment opportunities for people to go and enjoy. And if you are a if you have been, um, you know, if you if you are a little bit battle weary uh, at Swindon Town, you know, following Swindon Town Football Club, it yeah, I mean, that word aggression and attacking tie. I mean, you, he's got to lead with that, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, just one thing before I dive into that. Ferraris are shit and unreliable. I'd, I'd much rather have a Renault. But beside the point, I'm sure Max will get what I'm saying with that. Hundred percent, um, mate. <laughs> um, no, I, th- I think I think I think what you're saying about aggressive attacking football is is sort of the right thing to say. Uh, and football is is about entertaining the fans, and and like you say, it is it is a a product that you're buying into. But I mean. At the same time, everyone enjoys something different with football. Some people enjoy the sort of long ball Steve Evans type. I don't. I, I, I'm very much not not into that personally. But I think if the route we are going to go is, is is the playing out from the back and, and the style, I think if we can do it in an aggressive manner with high pressing, getting the ball working through the lines and 
it, it, it's it's the right way to do it, and and it will get more more bums on seats in in turn doing it that way. Now, I'm now Claire. Please take this the right way, Claire Follett. I am not going to categorise you as a certain type of fan. Um, I, I'm really really interested in getting your point, Claire. On let's say um, Scott Lindsay came out today and said, you know, essentially I am all about. You know, I am a continuance. You know, I this is about continuity. This is about stability. I know the players. I know what to get out of the players. Would that have excited you, Claire, as a long-standing Swindon Town supporter um, going into the new season? Or would you? Ha- what What would have been your reaction? Do you think? Ag- 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 you know, the words aggression and attacking. Uh, 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 you know, uh, is what's kind of maybe floated your boat or otherwise today. Oh, hi, Hannahs and everyone else. Um, I suppose good I'm evening, a little bit Claire. good. Good evening. Good evening. I'm a little bit different because, likewise, with Garner's um, interview that he did with Charlton, we all know what he said wasn't what what he sort of did last year. So I sort of take they're sort of a show reel to me, and that doesn't really sway me either way. But to be honest, Hannahs, I'm happy with Lindsay. And I think you should put your positive pants on and get them grumpy ones off. I'm doing my best, Claire. I'm doing my best. Listen, Claire, I'll take your point. I think. I don't think you should be underwhelmed. I think that um, this has been created by a few in the fan base by saying certain names like Mason and Carrick and all that, that it now may feel underwhelming, but. If none of this rumour mill would happen from the start, if Garner would have been announced as leaving, and then they said, okay, Garner's left, Scott Lindsay's now head coach, would you have felt as disappointed with none of those other names in the frame? I don't know. And if and if the players are coming out and saying how much they respect and they're praising Scott Lindsay, surely that's a big plus in itself. Yeah. Do you know that that's that's uh, to me that's more important to me about what they say about him as a man and if he's d- done a lot of the work last season, yeah, you know that's a head start for us already because he hasn't got to get to know those players, they haven't got to get to know him and decide whether they want to play for him or the new coach. You know, so I'm all for it. I got my positive pants on until results say otherwise. And, and I, I think, Claire, that is an absolutely like spot-on attitude to have. I think, going back to our earlier points about, you know, I don't want to just throw Richie Wellen's name in there, but let's just use that as an example. Um, you know, the, the world and his dog were, were fairly negative about, you know, the, the, the Richie Wellens experience before the Richie Wellens experience actually properly kicked in. And I think that the really interesting thing about what we ended up getting from Richie Wellens was engagement. It was um, power football. It was dynamic. It was exciting. Um, and then the more and more that football was being played, the more sort of better quality players we added to it. That I think with Richie he had a black book of contacts, which enabled him to um, work around the leagues, uh, bring some really exciting players into the club. Um, and I think you know that that in itself, um, I think just just nails your point, Claire. You know, I bring, I mean, I bring Dean on for a show debut. Dean, good evening. How are you? Uh, evening, Hannes. How you doing? 
Yeah, very well. Thank you for joining us, mate. And thank you for your wonderful comments you've been sharing with us over the last couple of weeks. It's great to have you on board as a listener and, and, and now a speaker as well. I mean, Claire makes a really good point, Dean, doesn't she, in terms of... Um, you know, listen, I'm going to be positive until results tell me otherwise. I mean, whilst whilst there's me sitting here saying that football's so much more important than just the winning or losing, you know, fundamentally, when it comes to judging our managers, no other way in judging, really, is there? No, no, spot on, to be fair. You can't really judge it in any other way. But I think we've been a little bit unfair as well. At first, I was, I've said it online as well, I was underwhelmed myself, personally. Um, I've had a look at the names we was linked with, but to be fair, my... <laughs> Is that Lindsay's got more coaching behind him than the ones we were linked with. Uh, he's got more football league experience, so maybe we are being a little bit harsh. Um, how they come about the decision, that's questionable. That's always fair enough. We can always ask those questions. Dee, but... not on that, mate. You, you raise an interesting point. So to what we touched on this earlier, but to what extent do you think when we look at the likes of a Michael Carrick, a Ryan Mason, um, do, are we kind of blinded by this sort of, I don't know, do we just allow our brains to just conveniently connect with the fact that our oh, next thing you know, we're going to have four or five, like, you know, exciting ex-Manchester United youngsters because of Michael Carrick or, yeah. oh, you know, Ryan Mason, we're going to basically suddenly start getting the cream of, of Tottenham's youth academy kind of, you know, flowing back into Swindon Town. But, I mean, is <laughs> that that's all very nice for, for, the, uh, for the cosmetic, isn't it? But it doesn't always it doesn't always work, does it? I mean, I rem- I rewind back to the likes of Charlie Colkit and um, yeah. you know um, Ishmael Farouz and and guys like this that that came in from Chelsea that on yeah, paper looked very exciting. Waste of time, wasn't it, Dean? No, exactly. It's um, I think we're quite unique though in the way that we've got a bit of a relationship that a lot of other clubs probably haven't. In that sense, where you know you've had what Macari, Ardiles, Hoddle, so we we kind of cling on to that and hope that you know we're going to get the next big one again. Um, but it's a different world now. Football, you know, Hoddle, okay, would have taken a huge pay cut, of course he would, but it was not on the levels that they these boys would be taking. You know, the, these lads, Carrick and Mason, the wages that they'll be earning now, you know, just as coaches. You know, it'd be a good few years' salary for a manager down here easily. So it, there's a huge jump, and I don't know whether they're comfortable doing it. By the look of it, you don't really see many of them doing it now. The only one you've seen in in a while, I would say, what Hughes, who was the next Premier League manager, yeah, down recently. We've had the odd one or two, haven't we? Um, but in terms of youngsters, do you really see any of them doing it anymore? Joey Barton, but that was because no one else would really touch him at the time, would they? But you, yeah. raise an, you raise an interesting point, Dean, don't you? Because even back back in the day when we appointed Glenn Hoddle, I mean, there was a guy that, I mean, I'm sure he was a very wealthy man, but yeah. a very, very different level of wealth to what you've different. got now. Yeah, totally uh, and, and a totally different range of motivations as well. Yeah. Yeah, he, he had a plan. He knew what he wanted to do. And I think he, he was like years ahead. So he's probably not a great example. Um, but we took risks. But we took risks. Macari was different, you know, we were pretty much similar to where we are now. Um, but his playing influence wasn't a huge difference and his contacts in the game, he just ruled with an iron fist, didn't he? Um, you know, I don't think Mason or Carrick would have done that, for example. Um, have they got the contacts in the lower level? You know, if Carrick comes here and he brings Koval back, are people going to be happy? You know, is, is that the level of players that we're going to get? You, you just don't know. Um 
it's a gamble. It's a huge gamble, but maybe it's it's one of those ones where is it a gamble worth taking with someone you know and stick with it um, and see what happens rather than bring someone else in and have to go through it all again like we did last summer. You yeah. know, I think I think you touched on something earlier actually when you mentioned about uh, Egbo and Payne. Um, I think that they're very interesting because it'd be. If they go, he's he can't lose, I don't think, Lindsay, with this one. Because if Egbo goes to Charlton, he's gone with a friend. If Payne goes higher up, he's, you know, doing the right thing. Whereas if those two boys resign, then I think it could maybe first spanner in the works when it comes to mentioning budgets and things like that. Because, you know, it, I, I said it tongue in cheek earlier, you know, would you would you keep Lin would you employ Lindsay if it meant you could keep players like Payne and Egbo? And it's an interesting one because, you know, would you use some of the budget to get a different manager in and let those players go? So it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Okay, it's an interesting one. You, you obviously, you've, I think I believe unless I've misheard you, Dean, you mentioned McCurdy there as a as a player. Oh now, no, not McCurdy, Payne and oh, Payne, right. So I'm I'm going to mention McCurdy because I think we have we haven't mentioned him yet. Uh, McCurdy is obviously a, a, clearly a player that that needs to be man managed, and and I think. If you if you think that Ben Garner, uh, Scott Marshall, Scott Lindsay were as a as a triumvirate, were three individuals that really got the best out of Harry McCurdy last season, without a full preseason at Swindon Town, I mean, surely the idea of of having at least one of that triumvirate in place that kind of gets Harry, that understands the kind of personality that he is, um, that he is a free spirit. I think that's that's got to be exciting, isn't it? Surely because clearly one of the most explosive um, dynamic footballers in League 2 last season um, off the back of no full pre-season I might add and I appreciate he took a little while to get going um, but to still have have somebody in place that would have a, a, a excuse the pun a, a, a steady hand on the Harry McCurdy tiller um, that's got to be a good thing hasn't it going into the new season yeah yeah definitely it's um and you've got to remember as well, OK, Garner's gone. I think as far as I know, or from what we've been told officially, he's the only one who's actually left, hasn't he? Um, so far as things stand. So we're only losing one person, OK, it's the manager or head coach. But, you know, the backroom staff, everyone associated, the fitness team, they're all still there. Um, so, as I'll say again, tongue-in-cheek, but as a few of you have mentioned, he didn't seem a bowler last, to be fair, Ben Garner, so I'm... I'm not sure he was the one who was, you know, having a good laugh with McCurdy week in, week out, was he? But I might be talking out of turn. But, yeah, there's a good few of them still there. Well, no, it's an interesting point because, I mean, listen, if if you've got a head coach, I mean, you t- I'm talking old school parlance here, um, but, you know, the manager tended to always be the kind of stiffer, the sort of stiffer broom, if you will. Uh, and the coaches were known to be the ones that kind of put their arm around their shoulders and, and kind of, you know, um, gave, gave players a shoulder to cry on. Now, if you're talking about, somebody, you know, a, a player that does require a bit of management. Um, the appointment of um, Scott Lindsay could be an absolute masterstroke in that respect. And then going on to Jack Payne's relationship with Harry McCurdy. I mean, Ty, I'll, I'll, t- I'll bring you back in at this stage because obviously Jack Payne and, and, and Harry McCurdy have a very, very close relationship um, on and off the pitch. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, you, you, if you, you would like to think if you've got a, a coach that can keep Harry McCurdy happy, um, you would like to think you've got a coach that's going to keep Harry McCurdy's best mate, Jack Payne, happy as well, aren't you? Uh, you, you'd hope so. I mean, it, it was what, what we were sort of told when, when we went in 
into the kit room. It was that Payne is a bit a bit like a, a bit like McCurdy's handler. So I think it's more if you can keep if you can keep Jack Payne happy and, and just let him deal with 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 Maka, then then that then you're on to the winner because let's be honest, I I, I think keeping hold of of McCurdy and, and having Payne who can who can sort of just keep him in check is is the key because by the sounds of it he did he did like Garner's job for him in terms of man managing him yeah well we've got I mean okay so um there's been I mean a couple of interesting um couple, you know a couple of interesting sort of stories of have started breaking um, in relation to players today. Um, no, no discussions around outgoings necessarily, but one that we could probably have a have a conversation about Ty on the basis that um, we have now. It looks like we're about to make our first sort of signing of the summer, and it's going to be in the goal goal. Excuse me, tongue tied. The goalkeeping department, um, where we are bringing a young Middlesbrough lad in, aren't we now? The young Middlesbrough lad is signing on loan from what we can tell. And despite my protestations earlier today about I'm hoping it doesn't mean curtains for Jojo. Um, on the basis, we've still got Wardy here next year. We're bringing this youngster in from Middlesbrough. It would kind of start to point to the fact that we're not going to waste a loan place on a goalkeeper um, if he's being signed as a third choice Manny Idem replacement. So I would you say that's fair? Uh, I'm slightly confused what you're asking of me there, if I'm honest. Right, so we're basically going to be bringing a goalkeeper in on loan, which would appear to suggest after a, a, a successful half a season um, in the Scottish second uh, second tier, we are essentially not going to be taking up a loan signing uh, or goalkeeper as a loan signing if he's coming in as a third-choice keeper, are we? No, but uh, he's not going to be third-choice. Let, let's, let's not beat around the bush there. So I guess I guess my question is, Ty. That's I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be. I'm just trying to. I can't. Oh, I've just got to say it. It's curtains for JoJo, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I, I I think I think most people have sort of come to that assumption anyway. I think I think he thought he he, he was a little bit bit too maybe maybe not too good. Uh, a bit too big for Swindon after qualifying for the World Cup potentially. So. I mean, I'm I'm not not going to hold anything against him. He did well when he was here, and, and I wish him all the best. Should he move on? And I think yeah. he, had a, he had a tough gig though, Ty, didn't he? In many respects, because you know the Ghanaian management um, were very sort of they weren't backwards in coming forwards, were they? When JoJo returned from the World Cup qualifiers, in basically being disparaging about the fact that JoJo was playing in the the English fourth tier, uh, despite the fact his other two goalkeepers were playing in the um, you know, in in playing four teams that you would expect Swindon Town to give a good run for their money, if not if not beat, they were a little disparaging. It was almost like they allowed themselves to sort of fall into cliche. I appreciate we're a Swindon Town sort of Twitter space, so we're going to say that. But you, that must have been quite hard for Jojo, sort of coming away from that environment with those words ringing in his ears and worrying about, hang on, am I going to miss miss the boat here? Because the world's going to be a very different place in four years when the next World Cup rolls around, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, the the exact quote was he he can't be the goalkeeper for the Black Stars playing in the fourth division. I think that's very harsh. I think he 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 got there on merit, and 
And so that doesn't matter what division he plays in if he's just qualified your team for, for a World Cup. No, no and it's, there's a fan, that, that's, there's, that's there's... like England calling someone up from the Championship, which we did with Calvin Phillips before, before obviously Leeds got promoted, and he and, did well. So, and let's be clear, Ty, let's be clear. He's vying for a place in the in the starting eleven for the Black Stars against a lad that plays in the top flight in South Africa, and a guy that plays in the top flight in Switzerland. I mean, those are those are leagues that I'm pretty sure, ability wise, aren't going to be a million miles away from the you know the English EPL sort of second second division, are they? No, well, I mean to put it simply, Rafael Rossi Branco was a raging success in the top division of Switzerland. So that that sort of show, shows the quality there to me, because as much as I did love Rafa, I don't think it it, it was that good. So of the, I mean, I've I've purposely avoided going back to Jack Payne, Harry McCurdy, uh, Manny Egbo as all lads that have been sort of you know been rumoured around social media to be you know potentially drawing attra- attention from elsewhere or just because they're out of contract, will they stay? Will they go? I've kind of deliberately avoided putting Jojo in that bucket because it's a very different kettle of fish, isn't it? Yeah, it, I mean, I've not actually seen any teams rumoured to be wanting him at the moment. So, like, like I say, it's, it's it's an interesting one. And no matter what happens, if he stays, great. It's, he's a good keeper and, and I'm glad we'd have him. Annoying that we'd obviously lose him for that World Cup period. But you can't really say, no, you're not going to go and play at a World Cup. All right. Well, look, Joe, I'll bring you back in at this stage. So we, we, we were talking, I think Dean made the, made the point. He didn't use the word vanity necessarily, but um, certainly um, touched on the, the coaching prowess um, of Scott Lindsay versus some of the other names that were being mentioned. Um, from a, you know, it's, it's an interesting point to just sort of linger on, Joe, and I wanted to take your, your view on it if I can. Um, you know, to appreciate, Joe, the Lou Macari era was before your time. But, you know, Lou Macari, um, yes, Glenn Hoddle was known to be a bit of a visionary back in the day. But Ozzy Ardiles as, a, as another example and and to an extent Paolo Di Canio. These were all people that, that had, you know, sort of you know, no coaching experience at all. Um, and yet we obviously we gobbled them up off the off the back of the fact that they were just big names. But um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, Joe. Like we we've got at some point we we as a fan base have got to let go of this vanity piece, haven't we? Uh, because uh, uh, to what extent, Joe, do you think this vanity sort of obsession that we've developed as a club um, is 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 holding us back? Because to go back to the point I was making earlier about you know potentially you know there are fans out there that have got brittle confidence. Um, you know, to what extent is that hindering us as a club? To what extent do you think we just need to take our medicine and just say, look, you know. The, the world's moved on. Scott Lindsay's got, you know, the best part of a year under his belt coaching our football club, doing a bloody good job at our football club, as the record would show. Um, and it's time for us to just sort of swallow that now, to get on with it. You know, l- leave all that in the past. Yeah, we enjoyed it. We look back with great fondness, but it's just time to let go. Yeah, yeah. I think you've probably hit the nail on the head there, Hannahs. I think if we're being honest with ourselves, I think everyone wants a sexy name because, you know, it's going to bring in probably going to bring in kids into the ground to, to go and see this big superstar manager. Um, you probably need to get the sky cameras, the county ground, like your Salford every week. You've got a Michael Carrick in the dugout. Um, 
But as you say, Scott Lindsay's been he's been around the building for I mean, not just last season beforehand. I think he signed uh Ellis Ianlo for the club when he was working in the youth team. Um so he's clearly got a bit about him. Um I think obviously if you look back at the previous scaffers that we've had in big name wise, in my time it's probably only really Decanio. Um but even with that, I mean it was great obviously for the first season. Second season, after a hint of success, you're gonna have people sniffing around them. Sunderland come in, in the Premier League. I know the Matt Ritchie fiasco didn't really help and obviously some uh, financial worries at the club as well. But you're probably going to bring in more attention, unwanted attention in, uh, if it's a big name. Obviously, with Scott Lindsay, we've got a chance to... Well, he's got a chance as well to kick on in his, in his first team coaching career if he's successful with us. Um, it kind of benefits both parties. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, you've got to look at it with a level head and think, you know, if we do appoint a a big name that's going to come with its positives and negatives and vice versa as well. Um, yeah. I can also just say as well, it's nice to welcome the midfield destroyer of Fabrizio Carrick's noble men in Dean onto the show for uh, next Sunday. Don't, 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 mention, don't mention the word Fabrizio. You just depressed me. I, don't, Sorry. I just about, I just about got, got over the, uh, just got about got over the, the emotional loss <laughs> but he's not not seeing um, no, I jest. Yeah, no, indeed, it's it's always great to have extra uh, new voices coming on the show. De- Dean's spoken fantastically well so far, and Absolutely. hopefully we'll continue will continue to do so. So, um, okay, well, listen, let's 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 have a little bit of fun with this then, Joe, because there's been um, there has been um, strong rumor going around the Twitter sphere this evening that um, Scott Marshall is going to be disappearing off to Charlton with Ben Garner. And we've got a, got a state at this stage that that, that is just nothing more, nothing less at the moment than just rumor, unless someone can tell me otherwise. So didn't Scott Lindsay allude to that in one of his interviews as well, that Scott Marshall had gone as well. Right. Okay. So let's go with the, let's go with the, but I feel a lot happier saying that if that's what Scott's put out there, fantastic. Certainly something that I've missed. So let's have a little bit of fun with this then, Joe. Um, Clearly, we're now in a position where we've got to start thinking about who's going to come in and assist. Um, so um, that that in itself is is a is a is a lovely little uh, a lovely little rumor mill, isn't it? Now, Scott Lindsay being of the mindset of engagement and knowing that there is a, a he's pushing against an open door on that front. Um, who who would you like to see come in as an assistant, Joe? Well, am I am I out of order to say Paul Caddis? I think, yeah, no, you know, right. don't think you're I, out of order. I think, I you're think as well, you're just trying to curry favour, aren't you? I am, yeah. Um, obviously, the supporters club, their, their um, Monday night panel this evening, I think Paul was supposed to be on the show, wasn't he? Um, and then ended up having to cancel. Was that a phone call? Was it a, had an important phone call to take? I don't know, Joe. Mr. Lindsay? Oh, well, I don't know, know, Joe, was it? You never know. I think, do you know what, as well? How great would that be to have two people in the in the club in the in the, in the hot seat that clearly have a great affection for the place? Um, I've just said as well that Burnley apparently have bid five million pound for Scott Twine. So oh, that we'll come on through, to that. We'll, if that we'll comes come through, that. give Scott Lindsay and Paul Caddis a nice little piggy bank. Um, yeah, I think that captures a, a bit of the imagination. I, I think Joe. To be fair, I think you're absolutely bang on. I mean, if 
if Scott Lindsay appointed Paul Caddis as his assistant manager, I think that would be an absolute masterstroke. And I think almost overnight, you um, you dismiss uh, a lot of the a lot of the concerns that um, that that Swindon fans might have about the direction that we're moving under Scott Lindsay. Um, for 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 all the reasons that I would like to see him in as 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 part of the management team, um, that he's all about engagement, excitement, identity, passion, connection with the with the crowd. Me personally, I think it's a masterstroke. Absolutely, you can't go wrong with a little Scottish fan, can you? No, no. But but listen, look, it's uh, parking all the parking all the romanticism, right? It just it just fits. It just fits. Like we, you've got a guy there that is he's already got some of his coaching badges. He's on an upward trajectory in that respect. You know, he's having to appreciate he still lives up north. So at the moment, he's got a nice little gig on the side with Fleetwood, which I, from what I understand is a part-time thing. Mm-hmm. He has captained our football team um, um, to, uh, the champ- to the title and he's been part of the, the championship winning side um, under, uh, under Richie Wellens. He's done it twice. He knows what it takes. I love the fact there is something about seeing Paul Caddis on, you know, in and around Swindon Town. You know he has played football at the very, very highest level. He has graduated from a legendary um, production line at, that is Glasgow Celtic in terms of producing players with the right identity, the right attitude towards football, the right type of football. He mm-hmm. has played against the Barcelonas of this world in the Champions League. He has marked Lionel Messi. It brings a, it. It ticks that romantic box. Of course, it does, but. It's all underpinned by solid footballing principles. I mean, Chris, to, from your perspective, I mean, Joe's at, at one sort of end of of the supporting spectrum. Again, you're you're a little bit more sort of like closer to my age. What what would what, what who would be your choice of number two, and why why is the right answer Paul Caddis? Um, and and how would you feel about him uh, in the dugout? First of all, can I just throw one spanner in the works here with with Scott Lindsay's history? And, Mark, and say Mark Cooper, would they've worked together a lot? Would would he be someone he would bring in? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I I think it's a, I think that's I think that's dangerous ground, Chris. I really do. I think that the thing is, like Cooper has been the manager at Swindon, and yeah, there were talk there was talk of him being undermined, you know, you know, by other 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 sort of persons through the door at Swindon Town during his time. That was always a rumour that, that seemed to swell when Cooper was was manager of Swindon Town. I think he's he's managed, you know, just down the road, increasingly one of our rivals, um, where he didn't exactly cover himself in glory in terms of how he engaged with their supporter base. Um, and there are a lot of Forest Green fans that have got a real bitter taste in their mouth in relation to Mark Cooper. I think there's, it's just that thing about going from being a manager to a number two at a club where you were manager and, and you're now number two to somebody that has moved up from being a number two to a manager. I, just, I think it creates a whole host of unnecessary noise. But I, I do get your point. Um, would you say that Cooper would be your choice then, Chris? Uh, no, I, it was just, I was, as we were thinking of who would come in, I was thinking, oh, would would Lindsay want to go with someone he was familiar with more than anything? But, uh, well, as you saw before in the WhatsApp group, I, one of the first things after Lindsay was appointed, I said, let's get Caddis in. So I think you know my answer on that one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it's wise. Dean, I'll get you back in at this stage. I mean, have, have you got a um, have you got a preferred choice as assistant to Lindsay? 
Um, I've not really, I won't lie to you, I've not really thought about it. Um, I, I no, <laughs> yeah, I've not really thought about it. Caddis does tick the boxes, don't get me wrong. Um, I think I'd certainly like to see him come in as a coach of some sort before he got the gig. So, uh, you know, I was quite glad in a non-horrible way that he didn't get the gig. I just think it's a bit too early. Um, and I'd hate to see someone like him. We're not the most patient of fans, are we? Let's not kid ourselves. Um, you know, if things go wrong in the first couple of weeks, months, are they going to be as supportive? You know, I don't think we sang Garner's name, did we, till the playoffs? So, you know, it's a, it's very hard. Sometimes. I think it's I think it's an interesting one, Dean. I think I think Paul Caddis sort of would have, if he'd got the top job, I mean, I know we're just talking theoreticals now, aren't we? If he'd got the top job, I think he would have been afforded a lot more patience um, than um, than than potentially even even Scott Lindsay in that respect, if results took yeah. a turn against is him. That, is that a good uh, thing? Is, yeah. you, know, um, you know, do we want to say, oh, we're 12, but, you know, it's Paul Caddis, we like him. You know, we want to get out of the yeah. league. I don't think it's time for sentiment this season. I think we've just got to get out and then progress from there. That's my opinion. I might, I might be wrong. But yeah, I, love- I, 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 think you make, I think you make a valid point, Dean, I think, to be honest. And, and fair play to um, Sandro Di Michele. He kind of, you know, made reference to that, didn't he, last week when he gave his first interview that, you know, it's not necessarily, he's not one for romanticism, you know, that's, you know, this is this is about. You know, we need to get results. You know, they've they they've yeah. clearly decided on ethos. They're going to be working with you know statistical based analysis moving forward. Uh, they're going to be picking picking teams um, to you know to win matches. Um, you know, I, I think I've got the, the impression. I've got the ideal scenario. I've just thought about it. Then I think what we do is we get Caddis in as assistant. We get promoted this season. Ben Garner gets that. Lindsay goes to Charlton. We promote Caddis. Oh, <laughs> that's the only way I can see it working. <laughs> can you? Can you imagine? All right. Well, that's fair to say. Hey, you speaking there about Caddis for a minute, Hannes. I I think that maybe bringing Caddis in as not so much as the assistant, but as a first team coach, i.e., so basically number three, might be a better fit for him because he's not really got that experience as a coach, and he can bring on and st- and step up from there. And then maybe we could have someone with a bit more experience to to help Lindsay out. Uh, do you know what I I would love I would love that Chris and I, and I think that would suit Paul down at the ground as well. And I think if we're if we're going to stay true to this kind of um, you know mantra that you know we lose we lose a manager we don't lose the entire kind of ethos of the club. I think that that fits quite nicely into it from a point of view that. I can imagine Paul Caddis not being somebody that would come back to Swindon Town and attach himself tightly to um, whoever it is that is head coach um, and indeed the assistant. And, and I could see him coming in with a view to continuing his development as a coach, continuing to get his qualifications with, with because I think Paul's been very open about it at some point in time. He wants to be, his ambition is to be manager of Swindon Town Football Club. Um, and I think... From from that point of view, if if there can be a gateway um, for him to achieve that um, under the tutelage of, of of more experienced coaches, then yeah, I think that's a very good shout, Chris. What's um so all right, Chris? You've gone Caddis. I think Dean's just about got his at least one and a half feet in the Caddis camp. Nathan, where where where's your thinking at in terms of the makeup of the coaching staff and uh, and the role of the assistant and indeed the number three? I mean, with. Uh... 
I I haven't heard. Oh, I didn't hear um, Lindsay say about Marshall. So I was I kind of I thought I think he might stay. Um, I need to listen again, but you know I haven't heard anything concrete about him going. Um, assuming that he he does go, uh, I I wouldn't mind Cadiz as a coach. I think I think Chris just said it. Like if he was a number a number three, a first team coach, I think that would be perfect. Um, bringing Cadiz in as a number two. I think if you kind of remove the sentiment, if you you know if if it's a player who hasn't played for Swindon Town and it's Paul Caddis's career and you bring him in as number two, you're probably asking a few questions. So in that respect, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd like Caddis as a number two, but I would like him at the club. My only thought to that is, I think it's. I don't. I don't know if it's well well known or not, but it seems to be by a few people that Cadiz applied for the job or Cadiz spoke about the job. And, you know, if you're Scott Lindsay and you've got a coach being appointed that, you know, has gone for your job, are you, are you thinking, Hey, maybe this guy's after my job? I don't know. I don't know Scott Lindsay well enough. Um, I don't even know if Cadiz would want to come down here as a, as a first team coach, given that, you know, he does have a, I think it's only part-time, like you said, but, you know, he's working for a Celtic legend now at Fleetwood who, you know, they're a small club, but they're well-funded and they're run well. So, you know, would he give that up to come to Swindon? Probably not as much as he loves it here. So, yeah. It's, I, an, interest, it's an interesting one, Nathan, because I don't, I don't necessarily think... I mean, Paul Caddis was at Fleetwood before um, Scott Brown took over as, as, as manager up there. And I don't think... Um, you know, I, I think it would be probably lazy of us to assume that just because you've got a couple of ex-Celtic boys there that um, that you'd have any kind of sort of shoe in. Um, I'm sure um, I'm sure Paul won't sort of mind me sort of speaking, you know, out of a little bit out of school here. But I, I asked Paul that question directly um, in relation to Scott Brown's appointment from a perspective of similar to what you just said there, you know, Ex ex Celtic legend, you must be over the moon. It's like you know, that must be, that that opens surely doors for you. And and it was quite clear that wasn't part of of Scott Brown's appointment up at Fleetwood. You know that you know Paul Caddis would automatically, you know, move into his slipstream and, and and move forward. What what has been a consistent, however, from Paul Caddis is his passion for this football club. And I think Paul Caddis is professional enough um, that. You know, he would he would just get his head down, be very very supportive of the manager. I mean, I cast your mind back to the the the, the very dreary days of of John Sheridan, and and even when things were were at their absolute worst, um, you know, Caddis wasn't looking to come out and and throw John Sheridan under a bus um, to curry favour with the Swindon Town supporters, or or progress his own you know his own sort of situation in any way shape or form I see Paul being very very professional in that respect um I think um I mean the another name that we are missing here and Max I mean I'll get your take on this we're um obviously we we've already got a couple of very very interesting heads through the door we've got Mildy doing a great job with the goalkeepers but we've also got Lee Peacock as well who nobody's mentioned tonight uh, potentially sort of moving in sort of graduating up from working with the junior sides um, and the academy set up and, and potentially moving in as part of a one, two, three with Lindsay. I mean, the idea of, 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 of Lindsay, Lee Peacock, Paul Caddis as a, as a management one, two, three um, on the touchline. I mean, surely that's got to excite you, Max. 
you've pretty much taken the words out of my I was going to come on and say that I think Wise and Peak's been mentioned because I think he'd probably be the perfect number two. I don't know if he was about the academy when um, when Scott was the under 18 manager or not, but obviously he's been, he's definitely been about with him this year. So it's someone that he's familiar with, someone who's familiar with the club, is a, a well experienced coach, knows the team, knows the players. I think that Peaks is probably the perfect is the perfect option to be number two. To be honest, and yeah, Cadis, it's a question of yeah, yeah. I think he would make a good first team coach, but it's whether he's going to uproot everything he's got up in the Northwest to come all the way down. Is he going to uproot everything to be a coach? I'm not sure he would. Mm. I, th- I, th- I think a lot depends on the levels of security that's on offer. And I appreciate football is not a career that sort of yeah. offers huge security. But I think uh, uh, if if the selling to Paul Caddis is around a place where look, this is a club where you're known, where you're loved, where you know you will get an awful lot out of both emotionally and professionally um representing Swindon Town Football Club um I you know and there is going to be you know our our, our, our you know our our mechanism moving forward is that we want coaches to graduate and, and, and move up positions as and how head coaches move off to other jobs I mean if I was him that that feels like a bit of a no-brainer to me and I mean also, yeah so I guess like you know, the onus is on the club to put that package towards him right yeah, because financially, clearly, it's it's got to work. You know, Paul's got a family. You know, you would like to think that, you know, he wouldn't necessarily want to have to have that commute. But again, as a managerial one, two, three, you know, those duties could potentially be shared around. But realistically, you kind of want your, your free coaches around full time, don't you? But I think yeah. the, 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 the interesting thing for me, Max, is that we have what we haven't mentioned about uh, Paul Caddis this week is that he's officially come out and hung up his playing boots, hasn't he? And, and he's really kind of put his his stake in the ground about his coaching future and crucially he didn't he he wasn't able to fulfill his uh his um obligations to um you know informal or otherwise to um on the sofa now i know um from speaking to paul uh and how much he values uh people such as vic morgan and indeed ourselves that that's not something paul would have just done on a whim you know if paul makes a commitment to come on and talk on a show um, he absolutely sticks to that. He's very, very professional. So that's, no, got, that's yeah. got me. That's got me feeling pretty bloody excited about things. Now, you know, consider that. You know, I mean, I would like to think that maybe Scott Lindsay would have been making phone calls. You know, before tonight and being a, being appointed. We don't know the nature of how that appointment's gone and gone and happened, do we? Really, but if you, um, I appreciate there's a little bit of two and two and getting five here, um, but. It, it kind of feels to me that all the stars are aligning, Max. I don't know how that feels to you. Yeah, no, when you put it that way, yeah, he's definitely one of those that he's, he commits to a lot of those opportunities, whether it's whether he's going on with the OSC or if he goes on um, LS Pod Rich or whether he comes near with us. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe he was maybe he was out coaching at Fleetwood and he got he got the message that he got home about six o'clock. You never know. Yeah, no, indeed, you never know. Well, look, Claire, Claire, I'll take your, I'll take your view. Really, who's, who is your, um, who is your pref- preferred choice in the dugout alongside Scott Lindsay? Oh, well, the romanticist says Caddis all day long. Of course, it does. Who wouldn't? But I mean, he would be great as a number two or a number three for all the reasons that a lot of you have already mentioned. Um, that I've already thought of myself, but you've all beat me to it. <laughs> um, 
But I am very conscious of not doing the same with a potential number two as we've done with Scott Lindsay and then we're all disappointed again. So it's it's a bit of a difficult one for me. But like you said, if Caddis was to come, you know he's going to give 100%. I'm just not sure how the data analysis style coaching would fit in with Caddis's background and his coaching journey. Is it something he can cross paths with or you know I'm not sure but who wouldn't want Caddis at the club just the pure passion and commitment that's required you know he's going to give it See, but I, I think whoever that's... comes in as a number two will get my support for the reasons they've been chosen and I, I, I'm it's hard I'm torn between bigging someone up and not making whoever it is feel less worthy if they get announced instead the same as oh, we've done with that, Lindsay, you know Claire that's the, that's, the, that's that maternal instinct in you and I don't blame <laughs> you because I, I feel I, I get that I really do get it that here we are like, I mean you know, the whole a lot of what we talked about tonight Claire has been about the fact that we're almost kind of like offering a sort of pseudo apology to Scott Lindsay because you yeah. know we, we, we all opened up by saying underwhelming but to address a couple of your points Claire I think the, the thing about statistical analysis, it feels to me that that is more of a, a recruitment issue as opposed to a coaching issue. And I know for a fact that Paul has been a coach, uh, sorry, has been not only coaching, but playing in an, in an era where, you know, it is standard for players to have GPS trackers on them. You know, it is, it's standard for that level of analysis in terms of their output on the pitch to be yeah. scrutinised. So I don't think that's going to be a big stretch. And I think if recruitment is going to basically be handled by anyone at the football club, it's going to be Sandro Di Michele who's going to be feeding into that that his his statistical analysis into our head coach. And then they're, they're collectively, along with um, probably Rob, um, and then obviously the ultimate sign-off from Clem making decisions on bringing players in. So I don't necessarily have any concerns per se about um, the, um, the the statistical aspect of it. But Tom, I mean, Tom, to, to, to bring you back in, I mean, to Claire's point, it's a valid one, isn't it? You know, we, we've talked tonight about vanity appointments and, and, and not getting swept away as Swindon Town fans. Um, you know, to, to, to what extent are we kind of allowing ourselves just through this show to kind of repeat bad habits? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to be pretty careful, to be honest. Um, I, I, I like the idea of Caddis coming into the club, um, but we need to remember, really, like one of the things really that I think everybody got maybe a little bit disheartened about with Scott Lindsay's appointment is the perceived lack of experience. Yet we've completely overlooked that with Caddis on the basis that he was a great player for us. But from a coaching and, you know, and man management side of stuff, he doesn't really have any experience of that. So putting him in number two, I think might be a bit of a stretch. Um, I would definitely welcome him as a, as a first team coach to get that experience and continue with his badges um, and see how he progresses. Maybe not uh, <laughs> if Scott Lindsay does leave next season, promote him straight into management like a, uh, Dino was saying um, but yeah I, I would be more in favour of a really dynamic experienced uh, assistant manager coming in that probably Scott 
Lindsay knows from you know, all of his other experiences and clubs. And you'll always get surprised by those assistant managers of who actually comes in because there's a web of contacts that these guys in the background of football all have. And you're like, how do you guys know each other? I get, well, we just do. <laughs> um, so I think we might be a, a, in for a surprise. But I personally hope so. I think it'll be nice to bring some fresh blood into the club, somebody that we're not that much of an affinity with, um, that does bring a different edge, um, just to give us that little bit of perspective uh, and not be drawn into the uh, the emotion appointments, really. Yeah, it's it's it is that whole whole piece, isn't it? I mean, we we spent a large segment of this show, you know, talking about sanity over vanity. Um, you know that we've we've almost got to kind of like shift our mindset. But fundamentally, we we are at heart, aren't we, Tom? As football fans, you know, old romantics, and you know, you you can't, you, you know, you. It, it, it's a very very difficult thing to do, Tom, isn't it? To not glance around our kind of coaching setup and go, wouldn't it be amazing to see Lee Peacock given an opportunity to step up? Wouldn't it be amazing to see Paul Caddis brought into that vacuum? I mean, I cast my mind back to you know um, the Richie Wellens era, and at one point. I was looking at Richie Wellens and Noel Hunt and I was hearing Noel Hunt talk. Noel Hunt had been seen as being very much a, a Lee Power appointment. But it was like, oh, just, yeah, as a, as a consequence of not having a close tie to Richie, you can see what's going on here. Richie will move on. Noel Hunt will step up. And then as Noel Hunt steps up, you can imagine Paul Caddis coming into the coaching setup. And then behind him, you've got people like Matt Bowdry. You know, you've got people like Anthony Grant. You know, experienced pros that you you would hope would be kind of like you know pulled along in that you know as the vacuum sort of opens up, and it and it, it fundamentally just didn't happen. That and that was something that I just I allowed myself to get swept away with. So, but at the same time, you know, Lee Peacock's very settled in the area. Um, Lee Peacock has um, helped sort of steer us through very very choppy seas along with Steve, Steve Mildenhall last summer, um, and you would hope if he is up for it that he'd be given an opportunity to sort of step in um, and, and, and continue to develop his coaching career. Um, and, and like I say, fundamentally, if he steps up, I can't think of a better individual to sort of bring into the Swindon Town family than Paul Caddis, whether that be replacing Lee Peacock and his academy duties or coming into a role on the bench. I mean, me personally, I, I, I would like to, I, I, you know, I've, I think I've made it quite clear. I'd like to see him on the. I'd like to see him on the uh, on the on the bench at Swindon Town for sure. Um, mm. Well, look, okay, listen. I mean, we spoke we've spoken quite a lot about the you know the, the managerial situation, and um, I guess that we'll, we'll move on from that. We've we've talked about the. Um, it sounds like the the you know the signing of Sol Brin, um, the Middlesbrough um, Academy graduate. Um, who appears to be joining Swindon Town um, in the next sort of 24, 48 hours. Um, we've also got the um, the small matter of the Papa John's trophy draw. For, and I know that's going to generate groans across the listener base. But nonetheless, interesting draw for Swindon Town. We're going to be playing Bristol Rovers. We're going to be playing Plymouth Argyle. And an as of yet, um, unannounced but invited um, uh, Premier League under twenty one side. Um, so that, that will be Arsenal or Chelsea because it always is. That, that's going to be Arsenal or Chelsea, Chris. Is it? You're, you're certain about that? Well, well listen, Rovers is. are 
Rovers, Argyle, Arsenal, Chelsea will, you know, will at least give a, a, some of our youngsters and fringe players an opportunity to stretch their legs. Um, Chris, have you got you got any interest? Has there been anything that's happened with the Papa John's Trophy? Uh, we didn't do too bad last year. Is there anything that's got you more excited this year about it than last? No, well, I was uh, I was at work today. Actually, sat next to a, a, a lad who's a Hartlepool fan, whose brother actually works with my sister. Believe it or not, in Hartlepool, and um, there was there was just no nothing there at all. It was it's like such a waste of a, a tournament. I was actually um, speaking to another guy I work with, and, and what I said is, let's bring back the Italian uh, Anglo Italian Cup. That was a bit more interesting than the Papa John's. Me personally, Chris, listen, don't get me started. It's, it's always going to be a question of cost. The problem with the Anglo-Italian Cup is is obviously airfare, hotels. It's an expensive business. I think for me, I would like to see us, um, you know, introduce some form of uh, some form of Celtic Cup where we're playing the, you know, the, you know, the best of lower league Scotland, the best of lower league Wales, um, Northern Ireland and indeed um, Southern Ireland. Um, in, I, I would, that is something I would be very, very keen on. But it kind of goes against the ethos of what they've tried to achieve with Papa John's, isn't it? Very, very, you know, it's very regional. Um, and but it is, I, th- I just think these, uh, it's, it's a tournament most teams just, uh, they use as, as basically the same way they use their reserve team. There's a, uh, yeah. And in fact, actually, um, I think Joe mentioned in the group earlier, it brought the lineup back out. And it was very interesting as well that we made subs after something like, what, three and 16 minutes just to get around the stupid rules of changing your teams. Oh, it's, it's totally daft. I mean, listen, Chris, from my perspective, I would like to see, even though the kind of, you know, the Premier League clubs and the top championship clubs have sort of denigrated the, you know, the Football League, uh, sorry, the, um, uh, the, the, the League, league Cup. Cup. I would like to see some form of seeding system where, you know, if you progress onto an area final or indeed you progress onto the final, then you you receive preferential treatment going into the League Cup and you get a buy, um, you know, into um, you know the, the the rounds a little further up, you know, further through the tournament. The the issue that with that, of course, is is one or well, as there are a whole host of issues there, unfortunately. But I mean, fundamentally. It, it does deprive clubs of that opportunity to to blood the likes of the Ricky Aguiars of this world, um, you know, the Harrison Minturns of this world, um, you know, the Winchcombs of this world, lads that came in and actually showed us that they've, they've got a little bit about them. I mean, we wouldn't have seen much of Mo Darbre, would we, um, last season, had it not been for the Papa John's Trophy? And uh, and we wouldn't, you know, the, it gives those those guys an opportunity to sort of, you know, but I can't help but think that you look at some of our other some of our other tournaments, even the FA Cup, appreciate you're talking about the FA and the Football League being different organisations, but, you know, there, there there needs to be a greater incentive, whether that be financial um, or whether that be, um, you know, the, the, the opportunity to maybe lesser, you know, lesser their fixture congestion, but give a bigger payday opportunity much further down the line of the trophy. I, uh, you know, sorry, of a cup run, but I just... I, I just can't see it happening. Yeah, I just if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Uh, and I think the issue is, of course, we are campaigning as the little fish here, and we're we're going to the bigger fish with our hands out. And you don't tend to 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 get much joy when that's the case, do you? Um, no, I just it's just a, it's just a pointless. I'm, I like like you say, it's a great chance for some of these younger lads. But sometimes playing one game every three or four weeks 
doesn't uh, isn't really helping because uh, the, sometimes you, they're better off going to say someone like chipping them on loan and playing week in week out than playing one game and then not playing for three weeks. Yep, I said no. I, I completely I completely agree. I mean, we've got um, I've noticed we've got um, you know, a few of the the, the sort of players' families um have, have jumped on and are on the listener list at the moment. I would be fascinated if any of those guys could send us a speaker request and come on and and give us a perspective as to um, you know, how they feel. You know, their their you know their sons' careers have been um, assisted with the help of the Putler Johns Trophy and getting first team first team minutes under their belt. Because I think you know, listen, um, at the end of the day. We, we, you know, we haven't got a, um, you know, we we haven't got, uh, you know, a reserve string. You know, we we we've got a development squad that, you know, the development squad have, have got to be given uh, opportunities to play football and to 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 play in front of the crowds at, at the county ground and and some of these away games. Um, it, it's it, it's an opportunity that they're always going to snap up, but you know. I, I, uh, you know, I'd, excuse the expression. I think we're kind of piddling in the wind, Chris. In that respect, it's just wishful thinking. Um, well, a, a little bit of, um, I, I guess we draw the as we draw the show to a close. Got some in- interesting news. It's going to be a busy week on the Sir Tom, Broad, Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge. We've um, there are a couple of irons in the fire of which I can't talk about and uh, conversations ongoing with the club and whatnot. Um, but we've also got um, a, um, a a big show planned for Thursday, haven't we? Not Chris, because obviously we've got fixture list being um, released, but we've also got former town, um, uh, what's the best word to describe him? Mercurial number 10, Giuliano Grazioli. Is, Graz is going to be joining us on Thursday night for a round of just daft questions. Um, so anyone that's uh, listened to the show, or if you're a new listener to the show, um, we, we bring in Swindon Town legends past and present and just have, a, have an hour of fun with them. Let, them. let their hair down and have a bit of a giggle. Um, mainly at our expense. Um, but please do start sending your daft questions in for Giuliano Grazioli, who's going to be joining us. And he's very, very excited to reacquaint with the Swindon Town supporter base. Um, Chris, I'll tell you an interesting story. As I was talking to Gratz earlier in the week, he, he said to me that, he said it, it's always fascinated him that as a former Swindon striker, he said he was never prolific in a Swindon Town shirt. But he cannot believe how well regarded he is and remains whenever he's approached or spoken to by Swindon Town fans. He's always really fondly remembered. Do you have any particular standout memories of Gratz, Chris? Oh, I, don't, I just think we just love our strikers, though, don't we? We've we've we've, we've been blessed though, down the years. We've had had some great ones. Um, thinking, uh, with, I just I just remember him as. You know, like you know, like you say, it's not wasn't overly prolific, but he just looked like such a natural goal scorer. It's not one in particular thing that really jumps out, but it, just for me, just about most of his goals just seem naturally, just seem to know where to be. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And a, a regular Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge contributor, Nick Judd, who I know Nick's listening tonight. Good evening, Nick. But Nick will. Nick will tell you, as someone that worked behind the scenes of the football club when Gratz was here, he described Gratz as being one of the good guys. And I think the the thing that I said to Giuliano, one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to uh, getting together with him and all of you guys again on Thursday night from nine, is that he played like he played with a certain pride. He played he he he, he absolutely um, busted a gut in a Swindon Town shirt. 
even though he wasn't the most prolific, he played like he cared. And I think that's obviously you can't really ask for 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 any any more, any less than that. I think he was there was a certain limit to his ability in terms of sort of going up the leagues. Um, but also fundamentally, Gratz was a and remains a really really good bloke. Um, and that's going to shine through on Thursday night. I've got absolutely no doubt about that because he's certainly up for a bit of a giggle with us. But look, as the time's edging towards 10 to 11, um, I think we'll draw it to a close side. It's been a fascinating show, taking everyone's points of view. Uh, been brilliant hearing um, Dean come on the show. Lovely to hear from Claire. Uh, to my regulars, Joe, Chris, Nathan, Max, thank you ever so much for coming on. And Tom Parrish from The Trust. Tom, an absolute treat having you on for your show debut. Please make sure... It is your first of many. Um, but until now, uh, until uh, Thursday, guys, we'll wrap things up. Um, and I will just close by saying Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge is an independent Swindon Town Twitter space. Its views do not represent those of Swindon Town Football Club or indeed Sir Tom Broadbent himself. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having your ears. Look forward to catching up with you again on Thursday.